Welcome to episode 495 of Troubadours and Rock-On Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure, with leaf blowers in the background. On this week's episode, we feature a regular contributor, songwriter, musician, actor, artist, and our resident storyteller, Little Star Run. We talked to Little Star Run about recording some new music, her theater work as of late, playing out live about the months of October and November, savoring warm drinks, your shadow side. Of course, she shares a great story with us uh, that connects to feminism, to the idea of a night hag and Lilith. We talk about All Hallows' Eve, a vegan milk protester, the collective unconscious, subversive thought, and preparing for the winter. A great conversation with Little Star Run this go-round. We have an EWSA titled Night Hag, and we share some compelling facts and figures as gathered and published by Harper's Magazine for its October 2022 issue. We have an EW poem called Fine Days. And of course, all of this will be infused, imbued with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to be with you. Let's get to it then. Episode 495 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours. There's 20 doors around a hot black and blue between love boards. I tore my knees up getting to your case I needed I find out what the thing was for, I've been reading A man time came to explore I went ain't fire, cause I thought Like I like it, little tease But I didn't mean it But you mess with a good star, you gotta pay A good time was guaranteed for one and all the tattoos Target practice in the hall while waiting For their number to get called out I, 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 I found out what the wait was about I was a good time, yeah I got pretty good Changing tires, upstairs bro I shot my mouth off and you show me what that holds Oh, 
choose where I used to lay Well, I'm too bad But you don't know what they say Stop sniffling You're gonna make some plastic surgeon a rich man Over the prestige of glory Another human interest story Night Hag The night hag is sitting on my chest, perhaps to find some rest, despite the reality of my world and perception. Lilith is everywhere. She is within the teenage girls of Iran, the young woman from Sweden who speaks about a climate crisis. She is in both Madonnas, or maybe just in one of them. What do you think? Fierceness and gentle, strong and softness. Beauty is power. Power is beautiful. It can be ugly, too. I suppose it depends on how one wields it, how one yields to it. There are gothic females in the neighborhood where I live. There are business moms and hippie chicks traditional Christian, Muslim, and Jewish women, agnostic, atheist, straight, trans, bi, gay, hip, hip, hooray, human, all of us. What would Lilith think? Are we free being who we are and want to be? The obsession, the repression, the judgment and oppression I long for a time when the deep wisdom, soul strength, and unifying power of conviction, forged in the genuine intrinsic sense of justice and objective love, inspires a vast multitude of human beings to break free of our base, weak impulses still all too strong and prevalent. The Sun Queen and Moon King can then more truly guide us on our axis inside this galaxy of our Milky Way. And the spirit world no longer scares us so because we are really alive and courageous and good.
Little Star Run. Is that you? Hi, EW. Yes, it's me. How are you today? I'm fine. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing well. Um, it's a beautiful fall day. Uh, life is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well put. And it's so nice. It's so good to have you here on Troubadours and Rock On Tours yet again. Uh, Rachel is a regular. I shouldn't say Rachel. Who's Rachel? <laughs> My alter ego. Your alter ego. <laughs> Little Star Run is a regular contributor. She is a songwriter, a musician, an actor, an artist, and our resident storyteller, among other things. And she has a story to tell us today at some point. But first, let's get reacquainted. It's been, you know, maybe a half a year or more since well, you've been on the program. You've been busy with some things, and uh, so have we. We've had a lot of good folks sharing their voices on the show. But again, it's so good to have you back. What have you been up to? Oh, a lot of creative projects. Um, releasing some new music, been in the recording studio, uh, which I'm really excited about. I finally found a studio that I really like recording at, and so um, I've been spending a lot of time doing that. A lot of theater, uh, a lot of writing. <laughs> Um, yeah, a lot of, I, well, not a lot of live shows, but I've been playing some live shows with my band. Um, I have a full band put together now. Is it under the moniker Little Star Run, or are you uh, using a different name? No, still under Little Star Run. Um, yeah, essentially still my songs, you know, just with um, musicians added in, and uh, it's going good. It's going good. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And um, we... Uh, we were coming upon the uh, Thanksgiving holiday, uh, Halloween. You know, some folks will listen to this right around Halloween. Some will listen to it uh, a little later uh, than that so in, in November. So, you know, that we have that vibe going on. As you mentioned, it's a beautiful autumn day in the northeastern part of the United States. Uh, and uh, I don't know how folks are experiencing this this uh, October November time of year and maybe like California or Texas or what have you. I was just looking at the places people listen to our show and it's all over the place. It's pretty amazing. Even some people listening in Japan and uh, Malaysia. It's wild. Ooh, that is that is wild. <laughs> it is. It is. So hello to all you folks and thank you for listening to Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Let's give them a little taste of the Northeast, why don't we? And um, the the culture that we experience. What what does it mean to you this time of year? You know, what kind of what kind of energy, what kind of thoughts do you feel? Do you do you um, experience when we hit October, November? Oh well, you know, you feel the the seasonal change, the slowdown, getting more introspective, um, preferring cozier activities <laughs> to. Uh, to being in the hustle all the time. Um, yeah, for me, for me, it's more about slowing down. Fall is about savoring, you know, warm drinks, um, gatherings with friends. Also the spooky season, you know, getting a little bit into your shadow side, exploring some of the um, darker uh, aspects of our existence. And, uh, and yeah, basically just relishing in in being alive and really really wanting to take in all those last good moments before the winter freeze you know because we're about to go into our 
um, hibernation mode in winter here. So uh, we have to prepare. Yeah. Yeah. How do you prepare for, for that? You mean like psychologically or, or getting the winter clothes out and things of that nature, both perhaps? Oh, of course. Well, practical things, of course. Yes. But psychologically, um, you know, just cleaning out your space, making it happy and habitable, you know, you, you want to make sure you kind of, well, this for me anyway, and I don't tell other people what to do, but you know, I try to make sure my space is as cozy as possible because I know I'm going to be inside more and, um, you know, getting a list of books I want to read, um, projects I want to work on, things like that. Yeah, definitely. And do you, do you have any uh, animal companions as we've spoken about in the past? You still have a kitty cat? I do have a cat, yes, uh, Avelino. He has his own Instagram in case anyone ever <laughs> wants to look him up. <laughs> How do you spell it? Oh, um, Avelino, so A-V-E-L-L-I-N-O, and then it's underscore um, V, like the, T-H-E, and then another underscore, and then orangey, that's his handle, so, you know, like orange. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. I have to check that out on Instagram. Um, yeah, you know, uh, having uh, some animal friends, you know, other than human animal friends, other persons... Uh, around during the the hibernation period of winter is is really helpful. I I find you know I have a a chocolate lab Katie girl, and she just so wonderful to be like sitting next to her. Uh, dogs force you to go for walks, which in the winter sometimes you'd be maybe ill at ease to do otherwise because of the weather. But they drag you outside, and uh, they get in touch with nature then maybe you wouldn't otherwise. So it's it's yeah having those friends at home during the winter, I find helpful. Oh, definitely. Well, my, my cat, too, is preparing for winter. You know, his coat is changing. He's getting fluffier. He's starting to sleep a lot more. <laughs> it's very cute. He wants to cuddle all the time. He's very emotional and wants to cuddle all the time. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. And um, uh, right now we're, we're talking uh, on uh, October 27th. Uh, of 2022 so just a few days away from halloween are you preparing for that are you do you have a costume or you have, do you have a gig is of, of, of some sort of halloween feel coming up anything like that well i'm gonna visit some haunted attractions with some friends um pretty low-key for halloween uh i have a few costume ideas some of them are a little tongue-in-cheek um commentary on our current times uh, <laughs> uh so one of them is a a vegan milk protester <laughs> a vegan milk what you got to explain that a vegan milk pro so a person who protests against milk a vegan who well actually it's against well it, it's against any any animal products and um i don't i don't have a strict view on that one way or the other i mean i i believe in humane conditions uh you know for animals if they are going to be consumed and um you know i'm i'm not judging anybody in any way or taking a stance on that it's just there were there were protests you know there's there's been a lot of protests recently that you're not really sure what they're calling attention to and if they're creating more problems than they're actually trying to fix, you know? So there were these um, milk protesters or 
um, animal product protesters in in different places in in England um, was one of the places I saw it, and they were just walking around the supermarket pouring milk out on the floor, and uh, for for basically the you know the people working there to clean up and have to deal with and you know working class people just trying to get through their day and then the protesters were like oh yeah let's make their day worse but right right you know it's kind of um, privileged too right i mean people are starving and they wish they can have a, a carton of milk and uh, you're just pouring it out on the floor yeah um i you know, you, it's one of those things where it's like, we get your intention. It's like, but you probably need to think about it a little more, you know, in the execution. If you're trying to call attention to something, which, you know, I, and I realize too, when people are passionate, that they um, oftentimes don't consider uh, every side, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, anyway, that was just sort of a, in a way, a little silly costume idea I came up with for me and one of my best friends, you know, that we could, um, we could be milk protesters and, uh, or, or we could be the paintings, you know, that, that got, uh, mashed potatoes on them or tomato soup. The, um, yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> Monet with mashed potatoes. Oh, that's terrible. Isn't it? I mean, I didn't, I didn't, uh, catch what the, the rationale was behind it, but Having, you know, just the idea of a Monet piece of brilliance being desecrated bothered me. Oh, ag agreed. And I mean, museums aren't stupid. Of course, they glaze their paintings and everything. It's, um, you know, I get this trying to call attention. It's, again, it's just the execution that's a little bit, you know, flawed, I would say. Um, yeah, you're saying it's flawed because of... Um, how off-putting it could be and then the issue that is important is is tainted in a way people aren't going to look at it seriously because they're they're you know they're they're kind of offended or or uncomfortable with the way you're you're focusing on it exactly um you know it, they'll turn a friend and i were discussing it and we were saying well yeah they'll probably be less likely to pay attention to climate change now because of something like that you right. know what i mean yeah um yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Good point. Good point. And um, so you are working on some costumes. You haven't figured it out yet. And then I know you you wanted to share a spooky story. Is that true? You have a spooky <laughs> story? Uh, well, it's Halloween. Mm. All, All Hallows Eve approaching. I thought it would be in the spirit of the times. So, in a way, I wanted to share, it's a story, but it's also a topic, um, and I think it's really interesting from a lot of perspectives. Um, yeah. You picked my curiosity. I mean, I, I'm ready whenever you are, if you want to, if you want to, like, uh, give us the opening and uh, set us up for the, the story. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> so, we all experience nightmares correct? Yeah. Uh, even animals experience nightmares. Um, I started thinking a lot about the origin of nightmares and where they come from. And one thing that I started to remember was a time uh, where I experienced sleep paralysis. And, you know, this could be interpreted in a couple different ways. Sometimes people think 
that sleep paralysis, um, you know, is like a hallucination or, you know, something created by the brain. Um, and scientists actually support that, even though they don't actually have an, you know, they don't have a specific explanation for why we experience sleep paralysis the way that we experience it, because we all get similar hallucinations, which are not explainable. And that was the topic that I wanted to talk about. Um, have you ever experienced sleep paralysis? Well, I want to make sure I understand it. Now, what exactly would I have experienced if I experienced sleep paralysis? Well, uh, a very heavy feeling on your chest, something weighing you down. This It can occur when you're falling asleep, but it usually occurs when you're waking up. Um, or woken up in the middle of the night sort of thing. Um, so you would experience like a, a heavy bearing down on your chest, unable to move, almost like um, you have your senses in, and you're awake, but something's, something's weighing down on you, sitting on your chest, and you, you wouldn't be able to move any of your, um, any parts of your body or anything, or, yeah. or, get, or get your brain to activate anything. Yes, I have experienced that. Yes, I have. Um, if I may ask, <laughs> did you experience a hallucination? Did you experience like a figure or or someone causing that to you or just the sensation itself? I, I don't remember a figure or anything. No, I remember the sen sensation and trying to, to wake up and, and struggling to, to be able to control and, you know, move my body and, and, and such. That, that's what I remember uh, most distinctly. Interesting. Well, um the the word nightmare is um, is actually describing well it, nightmare has come to have a different meaning now it has come to mean you know what we the sort of spooky things we see in our dreams but nightmare used to be the description of sleep paralysis uh, and it was actually recorded in every almost every culture throughout history uh, something along the same lines of a woman, a woman figure. Uh, she could be older or younger, um, sort of sitting on the chest of the victim and, uh, and smothering them. Wow, that's scary. And it is scary. Uh, but if there was another synchronicity around this because I was thinking about the origins of storytelling recently and... Um, I wanted to look into what was the oldest story ever recorded uh, in history. And I mean, there are a few differing accounts, but everyone seems to agree that the Epic of Gilgamesh is the oldest story mm. ever recorded. Mm -hmm. And one of the um, depictions in that story of um, the well-known female uh, character Lilith, who also is mentioned in the Bible, but has been mentioned in the Dead Sea Scrolls and um, throughout a lot of religious texts as the woman who uh, sort of scorned Adam and left the Garden of Eden, you know, to go and do her own thing, uh, <laughs> sort of le sort of leaving Adam to to Eve, uh, and uh, <laughs> well. So she's depicted also in the Epic of Gilgamesh, uh, but all occurrences of nightmares are also attributed to her. And any sort of like night demon um, is said to be a descendant of Lilith, who appears in the oldest story ever recorded. 
Wow. What part of the world is that from? Um, it's, I believe it's, there are two different things that I read about it. One was Sumerian Babylonian. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like that's the most accurate. Sumerian um, Babylonian. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but so Lilith is said to be, you know, the mother of all demons, uh, specifically night demons who taunt us in our sleep. And every culture has a depiction of this phenomenon called the night hag. And it's appeared in countless literature, the religious texts that I mentioned, um, just common folklore. And, and across the board, everyone experiences something similar. And I personally experienced something that was truly frightening uh, in this phenomenon. I was living in Greece, and I didn't know anything, obviously, about the night hag. Um, I may have, may have seen depictions of things in films or something like that, but it's not something that was living in my consciousness, you know, to think that it would be something that my brain would create, mm -hmm. let's say. And I was experiencing some sleep disturbances because I was flying back and forth between the U.S. and Greece a lot. Um, and so I was always in a plane. I could never really adjust to, um, you know, time zones. I sort of felt like I was in this in-between sleep state, you know. Mm -hmm. And in my time of vulnerability, uh, where I wasn't sleeping properly, I experienced this phenomenon of sleep paralysis. But what what I saw when this happened to me was a frightening figure with long black hair. Her hair was also the blanket that um, was on my bed at the time. You know, it was somehow connected. Mm. <laughs> and... I mean, science will say I was hallucinating, but you know, this is the nightmare. This is what everyone hallucinates. This is this is not something you know that my my brain wants to create out of its own device, right? Like it's just it's something that's recorded throughout every culture in history. Um, yeah, it's like the collective unconscious. Exactly. Um, getting back to Lilith in a minute, I, I want to say something about feminism and and how that all ties in. Um, but so this demonic female with black hair that her hair was, you know, connected to my blanket began to strangle me with her hair. Oh. <laughs> and this and I, you know, experiencing sleep paralysis, the feeling of not being able to move and then also being strangled. Um, I mean, this was like oh, I'm, I'm going to die. You know, this is how I die. <laughs> like, that, that's obviously what I felt. Um, and I've never experienced anything that frightening. I've never experienced anything on that level of horror. Out of all the horror films I'd ever seen, you know, I mean, for me, it was, was the most terrifying thing ever to not be able to move, to have a demon, let's say, quote, unquote, on top of you, strangling you with, with, demonic hair i mean wow like what is that how how does that even occur right yeah 
Exactly. I mean, did it happen just one time? Uh, well, that particular demon, let's say, only visited me once. But I have had other uh, instances of sleep paralysis while living in the U.S. with a different type of figure. It was. Was it just as scary, or was it a, was it maybe pleasant even, or never pleasant? I think. For me personally, after you meet one of these figures, you kind of recognize what they are, you know? Like, it's it's strange that it becomes familiar, and, you know, then you're able to react in a different way. My first experience, obviously, you know, with this the one with the black hair strangling me was something else. I mean, I, I woke up in a cold sweat, um you know, my heart palpitating, I wanted to jump out the window, I thought I was going insane. Um, but, you know, of course, everyone just says, hey, it's a nightmare, everyone gets those. But why does everyone get that same nightmare around this particular condition, right, that you're experiencing? Mm-hmm. It's recorded. That's what I find so incredible. It's recorded in every single culture. Yeah, I, I, I find that fascinating, too. You know, you wonder if it's just intrinsic to the makeup of the human being or if it is something larger than that, if there's another worldliness, you know, uh, that we all are connected to that does indeed exist, but it's not in our waking hours, uh, conscious uh, experience. It is, as we said earlier, a collective unconscious sort of uh, phenomenon. It's very fascinating. And if we go back to Lilith again, um, you know, she has also been lauded as a feminist figure in history, you know, because she walked out on Adam, right? She left Adam behind for for was Eva Stepford, Stepford wife then (laughs) (laughs) something like that. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 if we think also about, you know, women and their stories being told, their stories weren't being told at that time. You know, they were being told by men. Mm-hmm. Their 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 perspective was from a, a man's perspective. And, uh, you know, so it's interesting that this woman that scorned a man, um, you know, also appears throughout other religious texts doing the exact same thing over and over again, becoming the mother of all demons, spawning all the nightmares of you know, humanity. It's said that every single uh, characterization that we have in our in our um, folklore, you know, even vampires, any anything along those demonic lines, let's say, is stemmed from Lilith. And that, that's wild. We're talking Western, Eastern, you know, every every sort of uh, realm of of philosophy or or religion. This exists is, is your experience from your research. Yes. Um, I, I mean, there are different names in different cultures, uh, but the similarities are there, you know. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to speak for every culture on Earth. <laughs> Obviously, I can't. But, uh, you know, there it seems to not be limited to Western history, for sure. Um, you know, and it, it's definitely appeared in Asian cultures, Um you know, and I, I'm sure there are other accounts that maybe aren't even recorded, you know. Sure, African cultures, I'm sure, as well. Uh, um, yeah, it, whew, you wonder, I mean, you go. You were mentioning how um, you were talking feminism and uh, how uh, females in 
throughout the course of history up to and including today, their stories and their you know the way they're framed oftentimes is um, majorly influenced, if not exclusively influenced by the mindset of men. It it it, it, it makes you wonder. You know, it makes sense that, of course, an independent thinking person, woman. Uh, goes and pushes back at, at uh, ma- the patriarchy would be deemed a, a negative figure. And stems all the folklore surrounding uh, dark forces or, you know, subversive, maybe even subversive thought, you know, just not thinking, uh, you know, in, in traditional lines. Also witchcraft, um, you know, the figure that I saw the first one where I, when I experienced sleep paralysis, um, since it was in Greece and I told a few people about it, they seemed to think, Oh, you just met our local demon. You know what I mean? That this is something that other people had seen also. It wasn't, no one was surprised when I told them that I saw this and that, that started to make me think, okay, I was in a vulnerable place because I wasn't sleeping properly, let's say. Right. So, Maybe some of my defenses in my brain were down, and and I may have tapped into a collective unconscious belief in that region. Wow, yeah. That isn't that wild. It because, is wild. It, because also, when I experienced it in the U.S., it was with a different type of figure that you know that didn't match exactly. I mean, it was a female, of course. Again, whatever the same similar thing, but different characteristics. You know. Um, older actually like a much older woman uh which is true to the folklore of the u.s you know surrounding the night hag or you know sort of like english uh, new england let's say folklore wow that is pretty you know thought-provoking you wonder how and why that occurred uh, you know the difference uh, that you you experienced in in your subconscious the different figure as and it and it was connected to what was uh, natural to that part of the world uh, that is fascinating uh, we're talking to Little Star Run here our resident storyteller and you know we only have a few minutes left believe it or not the good conversations always go by very quickly um, so you know. With all of you, all of that, uh, all that you've shared with us today, uh, how do you want to kind of tie it together and and leave our listeners with uh, some something to to uh, to reflect on until the next time we we connect on Troubadours and Rock on Tours? Well, because it is sort of the spooky season around here, um, I I feel like this is a time for us to maybe look at some of our our darker aspects maybe things that we we um repress or things that we we may not let into our consciousness because uh society or or other entities have deemed that you know it's we shouldn't be thinking that way or examining that or questioning that and um you know in the spirit of Lilith and um, female night hag demons everywhere. I, <laughs> I, uh, I think we should all be thinking about, you know, how we can uh, create subversive thought 
against uh, the real demonic forces, let's say, um, because it, I, I somehow believe that maybe this is something that, that was created and that, that might not exist, you know, that it might just be this collective unconscious against maybe forces that are really beautiful and, and powerful. And maybe we get the visitations to give us a wake-up call. I love it. I love it. Little Star Run, it's always a pleasure to have you on Troubadours and Rock On Tours, and I'm proud to have you as a regular contributor, a resident storyteller. I wish you the best uh, autumn and winter that uh, is possible, and uh, I look forward to seeing you out and about and talking with you again on the program very soon. Thanks for sharing with us. Oh, thanks for having me. I wasn't sure how the topic would be received, uh, you know, but again, in the spirit of Lilith, let's say <laughs> anything goes. Oh, it was, it was great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care of yourself and uh, uh, have fun uh, preparing for the hibernation. Oh, thank you. You too, EW. Ciao. Take care.
And now some statistics, facts, and figures, actual, to be sure, as gathered and published in Harper's Magazine for its October 2022 issue. This is coming from its very highly regarded, long-running page right in the beginning of the mag called Harper's Index. Actual facts and figures. Percentage change since 2019 in the portion of Americans who believe environmental laws are worth the cost. Negative 23%. Percentage of U.S. voters who view climate change as the most important problem facing the country. 1%. Of U.S. voters under 30 who do. 3%. Percentage by which American men are more likely than women to support nuclear power, 47%. By which men are more likely than women to have donated blood, 32%. Percentage by which Trump voters are more likely than Biden voters to have donated sperm, 50%. By which more Democratic than Republican Congress members have announced testing positive for COVID-19, 48%. By which women are more likely than men to be afraid of crowded spaces, 59%. Percentage of Americans who say they aren't afraid of anything, 16%. Percentage by which Republicans are more likely than Democrats to say they would fight if the country were invaded, 52%. Percentage of Americans who could correctly identify Ukraine on a map in February, 34%. Factor by which this percentage has increased since 2014, a factor of two. Minimum number of cigarette packs Philip Moores has donated to the Ukrainian army, 500,000. Portion of American young adults who have considered enlisting in the military, one-tenth. Portion of those who are ineligible to enlist, three-quarters. Portion of U.S. millennials who have pretended that they don't know how to cook to avoid having to help, three-fifths or 60%. Percentage of Americans who don't drink the daily amount of water recommended by the USDA, 78%. Portion who say they don't drink enough water because they are too busy, three-tenths. Because they forget to, one-quarter. Actual facts and figures. How do you like them apples. But when I die in 
next generation And I can take it or leave it each time Well, I belong to the generation But I can take it or leave it each time Fine days. Bowling pin on a windowsill. The lamp, lighter, bar, and grill used to be on the corner of Sanderson and Drinker Place. Brunetti's Pizzeria across the street with its grass hill to sit on while eating lunch meat, lettuce, cheese, onions on a tan and white soft crisp hoagie bun. Those were some fine days. We had a nice time and some simple fun when we were young. Levitating with she, like a 
Episode 495 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Little Star Run, Harper's Magazine, and these musical artists, Thelonious Monk, the Pretenders, Adam and the Ants, Art Deco, Django Reinhardt and Stefan Grappelli, Richard Hell and the Voidoids, Patty Smith, Brantford Marsalis and Terence Blanchard too. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care.